So, hello and welcome to the first summer special of the Saddlecast for summer 2017. Um, this episode and the next few episodes uh, we're going to hopefully bring you over the next few weeks is a, a recording of our end of season special where we uh, um, sat around a table with a few guests and put the season to bed really. Um, before I go any further I should just say thanks to Shropshire Homes who let us use one of their unused meeting rooms on a Sunday so we could even attempt to bring this to you so um, thanks to them. Uh, the recording of this summer special went over two hours long so plan is to split this down into some more manageable chunks um, so yeah, hopefully this will bring back all the good and bad memories of the season. So uh, with that, I shall pass you back to our recording last Sunday. And Ollie, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saladcast. Myself, Ollie and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? How are you, Ollie? You all right, mate? Not too bad. And we have a welcome with guests today. So end of season pod, um, and we have guests. So we have... Mike, yeah. Glyn's brother. I've been on the pod a couple of times before. Um, season ticket holder in the West End. Um, and delighted that the season's ended. <laughs> I'm Mark Elliott, cover the club for BBC Radio Shropshire. And I'm Lewis Cox, I'm the correspondent for the Shropshire Star. So thanks guys for joining us. Yeah, cheers guys. It's going to be good. So the the pod today will go through an overview of the season, which is going to be an interesting roller coaster. (laughs) And then we've got some specific questions we're going to go through. Um, We're going to say who the Saddlecast player of the season is. Um, and then some questions for the fans, um, and then maybe some big questions as well, kind of like you know what's the level is issues be telling. So, so Glenn, do you want to start? Should we go into the go into the start of the season? Yeah, I mean we've got quite an agenda, haven't we, guys? Today, and I think the first thing we we're sort of wanting to have a look at really is we're going right back to the start when me and Ollie thought thought we'll start a podcast, and and we're thinking about things in the summer, and at that point in time, obviously Mickey Mellon was starting to bring in some players, so. I think the first thing for us to have a little think about is, um, I think the first question I'd pose for everybody was, was anyone really that worried when you saw the players that were coming in? Um, because, you know, looking back, <laughs> you read the list of summer signings, and I don't know if Ollie, you want to run through them first of all, but um, yeah, it, it was quite interesting that I don't think I was as worried about it as I am now looking back. So I don't know, what did you think, Lewis? What was when you saw the sort of quality of players coming in? First of all, um, I guess I have a slightly different view because it was my first season covering the club, so I came in this summer to a, a host of new faces and didn't yeah. have much to compare it to the season before but you know I saw a lot of League One experience um, I actually did last season the Vale away uh, when I stood in for Tim Nashford for the one week and that was the Matt Tootle handball oh, for the yeah. penalty so I saw Leach Smith he looked good I think Dodsey scored I think McGiven played mm. you know <laughs> <Played>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know just it seemed like there was decent feedback online and you know, yeah. we we're saying the players had sort of League One qualities, and I didn't feel too bad. You know, the friendlies yeah. weren't great, were they? You yeah. know, Hibs, um, etc. So mixed, should yeah. we say? Because what did you think, Mark? I mean, we we have obviously like players like um, Adam Abt and and uh, centre back, and obviously AJ Lee Smith again. Like you know, um, Lewis was saying there, they they had pedigree, didn't they? But yeah, you couldn't have, you must have been surprised by how it went in the early season when they joined, I suppose. I was really surprised actually by the overwhelming positivity that <laughs> greeted the signings. And this isn't a big I told you so moment, but I, I tend to look at player recruitment in the summer and one, it's the most important time to recruit players yeah. because it's it's where the value is and it's where people are out of contract and they're free. Um, but I look at what has a player done in the past couple of seasons? And Adam Elab did barely kicked a ball. Mm. Um, so yes, he had pedigree. Um, your Lancashire's and your McGivens, the reports that we got weren't great but the biggest thing was I, th- I thought they'd be more solid than they were mm. I will say that yeah. I wondered where the goals were going to come from um, Leach Smith had had one one in four season and that was last season and got to move off the back of that Dodds I've seen a lot for Port Vale very creative doesn't quite know what he is mm. I think and, and in a four four two as we've seen recently that becomes a problem yeah. so goals were always going to be an issue 
for me. And I think he was short in attacking areas when yeah. the season started. Um, so I, I wasn't looking at it thinking that's got relegation all over it. <laughs> but I certainly wasn't particularly excited given the way the previous season had ended as yeah. well. Yeah. And that's, that's a fair point. I mean, just running through the players, Ollie, yeah. we obviously signed Gary Deegan from Southend, um, Louis Dodds from Vale, um, Ollie Lancashire from Rochdale, AJ Leach Smith from Port Vale, Ryan McGibbon from Port Vale, there's a theme developing yeah. in there. Um, Jim O'Brien from Coventry, Joe Riley from Bury, Anthony Sarsovich, I might have pronounced it right for the first time this season there, Ollie, uh, from Fleetwood, <laughs> and Adam Alam from Bristol City. So I think a question for you, Mike, I suppose, is how many of those permanent signings, those nine permanent signings, would you sort of say did, did a job really looking back? Um, one and <laughs> a half looking at the list. I'd say Louis Dodds uh, did a job well, scored some important goals for us, and basically um, did what was expected. He was expected to be a bit of a luxury player at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gary Deegan would be my half because he, he's a bit of a workhorse in the middle, uh, trying to do through. Oh, sorry, no, yes, you just pointed out Riley. Riley's the right back, yes, yeah, so yeah. two and a half there. <laughs> Out of whatever it is, the eight nine, nine that we yeah. signed, it's not a great strike rate, is it? No. Um, but like I say, some of the guys who came with pedigree, like El Abt, um, and people were saying good things about Jim O'Brien, people were saying great things about Sarsovic, and neither of them even did half a season with us. So it's, <laughs> yeah, that's quite damning, really, is when you look down the list. Yeah, and uh, would you rate us on two and a half, Ollie? Would you go for three? <laughs> no, I, think, I think that's a really good summary, two and a half. I think, I think there's a fan who, before this podcast, I would go to like, all the lot of home games, maybe 10 away games. There's so many players in the Championship, League One, League Two, and the Conference. As a f- general fan, it is impossible to remember everyone. Mm. Like I can very, I can even though we've been following the games quite intensely this season, you struggle to to know of all these players. So you sign players, and you always have to trust what the manager is saying, yeah. and kind of bring in that famous line, you know, League One ready players. <laughs> and then you look to me and Glenn were looking at some of the, you know, the records. So yeah, as you say, um, Leach Smith has started to score a few goals. Uh, I know, remember Joe Riley from Berry. I remember him scoring that stunner. absolute stunner of a goal um, against us. So yeah, yeah, you kind of thought, yeah, it might we might do a bit better, but yeah, well, we, we were deceived. Things. We were deceived. And obviously, we, we obviously had a few loan signings as well. Ivan Tony, George Waring, Mohar Alarucci, Sylvan Ebanks Blake. Oh God, I've, I have to mention his name again. And Jack Grimmer, obviously. And again, pretty similar there, isn't it? That you know. Some of them did a decent enough job in some games, but just wasn't any consistency with any of those lone players, was there? I remember, um, I think it was the Hibs friendly and and being with Stuart Dunn after the game, and and he was fearful of the defence. I think I think McGiven and Lancashire played centre half that day. Did we shipped yeah. four, did we, in the friendly, and um, didn't I was look. Holiday, but I remember the feedback online was yeah. Rock and so I, mi- I missed <laughs> I missed the Cardiff. Um, I think we beat Blues when Ethan scored after yeah, that. But I think that was. We lost to Hibs. I don't think Stourbridge was very good. Um, mm. And I remember Dunny, who obviously, you know, has seen a lot of football, being fearful and thinking, mm, you know, let's give him a chance. But Yeah, it seemed yeah. tough, wasn't it? I suppose. And so that was the, the team that had built, obviously, um, Mellon had got, got a squad together with the players that we had last year. And, and we went into the season, really, and it was it was a struggle from the off, wasn't it, really, Mark? And I've just got a few stats here. We only won two of the first 11 league games. We only scored 11 goals in the first 11 games um, and we didn't score a goal in the first three league games, did we? So no. what, what did you make of that sort of opening, open, opening phase really and how, how poor we were? Was it, was it a case of the team not coming together or were you, were you uh, well, concerned in other ways? For all his sound bites, the Paisley Tinker man couldn't find a formula. <laughs> no, not really. You know, he, he couldn't find a formation. He couldn't find personnel that suited whatever way he wanted to play that week. And they didn't look like they knew what they wanted to do. It was the, the worst defence I've seen covering... <laughs> professional football yeah. they, they couldn't head the ball nope. they could not win a header they couldn't win a second ball and whether that 
is is down to the coaching. I, I don't know. But they started off in a lot of ways as they finished last season. And it felt like the, the Mickey Mellon era. And let's be fair to him, he got the team up, he got yep. them into League One, he did a he, he did what he was tasked to do, got them up, kept them up. But it felt like at the end of last season, or the season before, it was probably time mm. um, for a for a bit of a break. Um, things had had happened clearly that had had made it a, a really tense atmosphere around the club, and and he left did what was it eleven league games into this yep. season, mm. and probably in hindsight it would have been better to give somebody uh, a bit of a clean broom at the start of the season yeah, or, maybe, or in yeah. pre season. Yeah. So we we almost kind of had to go through that um, because and, and one thing the chairman does is he gives managers time. Yeah, um, the decision was made, and they were in a sticky situation but that situation is all down to poor summer recruitment which in fairness that that is a mistake that's been repeated before every season in league one pretty much yeah. in league two that the town can go and sign proven players yeah. in league one they can't on the board of recruitment i always feel as a, as a fan i always feel like anybody really we sign as a super town we're not a glamorous club i always feel like they just haven't had any better offers i i, I genuinely feel like that because how do you sell should be tapped by a small, you know, punching above its weight sometimes, that have massive crowds, and it's nobody's ever heard of it. If you tell somebody you're shooting tap, where's Shrewsbury, you know? So I always think we may struggle a little bit against do they ever just sort of end up here the because nowhere else to go? Yeah, you know the distance I mean? as well. So if you think about uh, Hurst hasn't moved house, mm. he still lives in Yorkshire. You know, he must take him two hours to get here. I mean, we obviously sign a lot of players from the from other Midland clubs and also mm. from like the North West where they often come and travel down. So, yeah, we're not going to sign players. But I think also worth mentioning on the, the summer transfer window, you also have to go back to the other transfer windows. Ah, yeah. so, the first, so the first transfer window Minicky Manor had in League One 2 was fantastic. 17 players and we just hit the road running. But then if you sign Nathaniel Knight-Percival in League yeah. 2, you've got a good player, yeah, haven't exactly. you? You've got Goldson and Woods and you've got he was able to go out and pay big money in fairness yeah. and actually what the club did really well is you spend the money when it's gone wrong to yeah. right the ship yeah. and then it should tick along quite uh, nicely look, I'd like to know the contract because it seemed to me that the season the first season in League One all those wage promotion bonuses just seem to have taken quite a bit of the budget out mm. and then yeah we, mm. we struggled and also just struggled in the season before didn't we so I think in the context of the 11 games that we did and also looking at those 11 games in there is Coventry, Charlton, Chesterfield, Gillingham, Oldham and Bury. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not only did he only, in the first 11 games, did he only pick up... Um, 11 points. And, uh, yeah, 10 points from 11 games. No, no. We also played the worst teams in the league. <laughs> Although, uh, hands up now, I left the Rico going, that's a good point. I did as well. I did as well. Yeah, very true. I mean, yeah, I, I think you kind of covered it there. I mean, I mean to me, one of, the, one of the main things about the start of the season, and you talked about defending them up, was set pieces. We, and, and it's a continuing theme until we got rid of Manon, but the set-piece defending was... That, that just struck me as, as some basics that weren't getting covered on the, on the field, and I'm sure Mickey Manon was trying to work on lots of things to try and right the ship, because he didn't want to lose his job, but the set-pieces and, and the weakness with all three centre-backs in terms of being able to defend against some of the sort of... Not even particularly burly strikers we were playing against was, was really worrying. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, that probably covers covers that bad period, and we don't really want to talk any more about it, because it was... I, Lewis has got something else. On the set-pieces set and corners, <laughs> I remember asking the question, you know, are you going to do more practising defending crosses and set pieces and it feels like a stupid thing to yeah. ask doesn't <laughs> it professional football manager <laughs> uh, practice the basics yeah. and you know he was giving me varied answers to that and I was you know it, it kept happening they kept shipping them the and time, yeah. it was basics it was following a man and it was aggression in both boxes mm. I wouldn't normally quote Ron Atkinson 
It's come to that already. But no, he used to say you can go and stand in the opponent's penalty area as a centre-half going up for a corner and, and just look big, yeah. or you can go and try and score a goal. And it's that aggression to go, go and win it. Mm. Follow your man and go and mm. win it. And they were so passive in their own penalty yeah. area. This even, a, even a step back from that, overall fitness of the whole squad was just really poor. Compared to a Melbourne team 12 months ago, which was fit and did a very good mm. job, players like Sarsovic was definitely carrying yeah. extra stone. Yeah. You know, there were players in there that were definitely not up to match fit, and they weren't up to match fit until Hurst got in, and, and I assume grabbed by the scruff of the neck and got them through a good few hard training sessions. They, they were always off the pace, second to the ball, and, and arriving two seconds late to every sort of bit of action, so that it's was another big problem. Defenders as well, height. I mean, you've got Lancashire, who's probably the only one over six foot, Yeah. but... <laughs> You know, he didn't use his stature, did he? He no, didn't yeah. ever use his size. El Abd should be able to deal with a high ball because he's had a good career. Yeah. And, you know, he's not tall, but he should be able to use his body, but it just wasn't happening at all. So, yeah, so that, that kind of took us into that little run at the end of Mickey Mallon's era, I suppose, which was um, sort of three draws against particularly poor teams, wasn't it? And couldn't get the winner in any of those games, and we had three red cards in the last four games. It just discipline, discipline, yeah. yeah. and that's another thing we were talk about. We just seemed to be building in it towards that point where they did decide. I think it was a, a rock, wasn't it? You got. I was just trying to think. We played in pre-season. We played four-two-three-one. Yeah. Then we went back to wing backs. I'm sure we played four-four-two at some time. And just the fundamentals were there, and then the discipline just kind of highlights the frustration within the players. They're mm. always off the pace, weren't they? Yeah. They were, like El Hab was constantly giving yellow cards because he was getting caught. We talk, we're talking about height and centre-half. Jack Grimmer was a centre-half for yeah. a while, wasn't he? We tried yeah, when, that one. When Mickey Mellon tried to convince everyone Jack Grimmer was a centre-half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was unbelievable. I think he played eight formations yeah. in the first 11 yeah. games. We were right wrote them down. I think, it was, I think actually it was yeah. into double figures. Yeah, I think yeah. we wrote it down for yeah. one of the pubs. Yeah. And so, yeah, discipline was another issue towards the end of Mickey Mellon. And then, obviously, confidence. Well, we had that penalty versus Peter Brady and Black missed. And it, just, it was just those sort of things that started to, to really help Mickey Mellon lose the fans. And that's one of the things I put here is... Once you lose the fans, you know, we can talk about tactics, we can talk about lack of defending. Once he lost the fans and the boos were regular, weren't they? You know, coming every week, Mike, and you know, yeah. you sit next to me, I was booing pretty much everything because yeah. I was just so frustrated. But um, yeah, the last two home draws, it was really bad. And, and we, we kind of had a couple of podcasts, me and Ollie saying, well, it'd probably be this, you know, a couple of days after this Saturday game or this Tuesday game. And then it did come, it was like a Thursday night, I think. And, you know, what was, what was everyone's overall overriding emotion when, it, when, the, when the sort of break with Mickey Manor did come? sensible decision he got a job lined up um, yeah that helped I think yeah. I think it helped him as well not that you would ever choose to go two divisions mm. lower no. I mean he was encouraged to leave wasn't he? Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest um, good luck to him today as well yes absolutely um, oh on today 10 years since the last game at the Old Meadow was played yeah, really? very true yeah. Yeah. a little tidbit for you <laughs> <laughs> um, but no uh, back to back to Mickey Belly yeah I think it was the it was the right decision something yeah. needed to change yeah. didn't it there was that that horrible home game where um, the boos were really, Swindon. really loud, mm. and then he came out and basically said, No, they weren't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> you sort of just, uh, when you get to that level of denial and nonsense, you kind of just think, Right, yeah. yeah I wasn't at that Swindon game. I wasn't at that Swindon game. I must have been away somewhere. Yeah. And I remember talking to you talking to you for all the pod in the week when he yeah. did get sacked, and there was a lot of also pressure on the chairman at that point. The fans had comments got 
fed up of booing the players and Mellon and he's turned attention <laughs> especially, to especially during the next bit which we'll talk about yeah, later, when yeah, we're losing yeah. four games under Danny Coyne but yeah I, I mean for me I don't you know we can talk about the negativity at the start of the season and Mark sort of brought up a little bit there that Mellon did get us up to League One and, and, and I think it kind of came at a time where we just it, it couldn't you didn't want it to get any worse for Mellon really because it could have it was bad but you know we got a decent job somewhere else we were able to move on we salvaged it at the end of the season so he still gets a little bit of credit it wasn't great to watch the end of last season and start this season but you know, he did the first job, failed in the second. So, yeah, that, that's my overriding emotion. I really, I mean, you, you didn't mind as a manager, did you, Mike? I, I thought he was he was a decent man. He did a good job in the first season. I think he deserved a chance to adjust to League One in the second season. I mean, he deserved a chance to start the third season in League One. Um, but I think we did a, a, a good job of nipping in the bud early when we kind of the rules had come off, and you know that it got away from him. I think the yeah. danger for Mickey Mellon, who's Win percentage at stats are fantastic in yeah. his managerial career. Is he'll get a reputation as a checkbook manager. Yeah, because he's very good when he's got a budget. Yeah. Um, he's got to prove that he can do it. You know when yeah. he needs to find a jet. Yeah. yeah. So we thought that Mickey Mellon moving on might be the start of good things, but we had a little interesting period, didn't we, in between yeah. where uh, Danny Coyne took over and we had four games, lost all four games, uh, twelve goals conceded in four games, which was <laughs> awful. Um, yeah. And that honestly could relegate us. You know, when you look at the gap at the end of the season. I'm going to say arsing around for four games, which it did take, and it seemed to take an exhausting 18 days. It was a long 18 days. Well, we were bottom of the league as well at this point. I mean, yeah. So Mickey Mennon left us with 10 points after 11 games. And then obviously, yeah, for those four games, we only had, yeah, we picked up, we didn't pick up any points in that period. Yeah, and I, and I mean, you guys obviously, obviously the guys who were in the press went to a few of those games, and me and Ollie as well, but yeah. I remember going, I think it was Bradford away, and we were abject, and probably one of the worst performances of the season. And you, you already started to think, what manager is going to come in and do a job here? So, you know, what, what do you think, Lewis, about the new manager coming in? Do you think we were going to attract someone decent? Who I just, think they isn't, do it, a job, isn't it ironic that looking at these uh, 11 games under, under Mellon here, while they're not brilliant, it's probably just fair to say it was inconsistent mm-hmm. you know you've got lost draw lost win lost win you know then three draws he finished with or whatever yeah that's not a, you know there's no run of five straight defeats there no it, but we would have both just mentioned if, if we took the averages of Mickey Mellon's results home and away we'd have got 42 points in average and finished 22nd yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant yeah <laughs> but just and then you know you Mellon goes and, and Coyne comes in and you you think like maybe he's only going to be in for one game or yeah, maybe two at most and and all of a sudden, it's four and four defeats. We've heard from Paul Hurst what the spirit was like yeah. under Coyne and how bad Danny Coyne had it, which is awful to hear because yeah. he's the nicest guy, Danny Coyne. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I just find it ironic that you know Mellon went, and it's supposed to be a, a start of something new, mm. maybe, and and then it went down. There was clearly, there was clearly no plan, was there? Yeah, because you were very frustrated in this period. Weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I a lot more than me, I'd say. <laughs> and but I think it's fair to say that going into the season. You would have expected the chairman and the and and the chief executive to have a plan mm. because it was clear going to the start of the season there was going to be a chance we were going to have to sack the manager. Potentially, yeah. And you were very frustrated, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, you were. Well, he was going to employ Kenny Jackett. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't afford. That is true. So, 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 so Mike, so Mike, what did you feel of this period? Do you feel that it was it just took too long? It's or? difficult to know. I don't know how you employ a football manager, and so I assumed <laughs> that they would have some sort of shortlist if they were thinking of you know Mickey moving on. But maybe the tramway thing came up relatively quickly, mm-hmm. and they didn't have time to put anything together. But I think, although it was a bit of an anxious time, what's happened since kind of bears fruit that they took their time with it, they mm. got the right man in, and 
and they did a good job in the end, but it didn't stop doing turns there for a while. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd agree. They got they got the right man in the end to, to do the job. It's just that when it comes down to the fact that we stayed away, whatever it was, one or two points, and we lost those four games. You know, if it had gone on another three days to the yeah, next game, true. we'd have been down. So it, you know, this season was on a knife edge, really, when you think about it in those things, circumstances. But yeah, that that whole thing. I mean, the most interesting I thought, Mark, was when Paul Hurst had said that he thought there was a lack of professionalism from the players. Yeah. Um, when he came in and what they did to Danny Coyne, what did you make of that? Lovely guy, Danny Coyne. Didn't want to be a manager, doesn't want to be a manager, admitted he didn't want to be a manager. It was very much a, a bit of limbo. What I liked about Danny Coyne was he went, I've got a plan. We're going to take it back to 1987. And we're going to get the biggest man we can possibly find and stand him on the edge of the penalty area and we're going to kick the ball hard at his face. And that was basically the tactic of the Danny Coyne, just try and get tight and knock it long. And, and it didn't work. And I have a lot of sympathy for Danny Coyne. Yeah. Um, Warsaw nearly did work. We, we yeah, had a couple yeah, of chances. If we had the tall and got sent off, yeah. and Waring had a few chances, we could have got something out of that game. And I, I went to that away game. We could really could have got something. E-Banks, the red card. Ebanks Blake netted his only goal for the club. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> long in the memory. Danny Coy, football genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, but they're always difficult, those periods under caretakers. And it, it went on too long. What, what I would say is, I'll give the club the benefit of the doubt, and I'm sure they must have gone into the season with a, a list of targets. Yeah. Mm. What would say is it's complicated to change a manager in this season, <laughs> yeah, particularly enough. when your targets are in jobs and particularly when you're bottom of the league. I was, yeah. I, I was just going to say, these 18 days, you know, how quickly through that, we don't know this, did they um, single out Hurst as the man they wanted? Yeah, yeah. And then perhaps it could have took 10 days to agree to take him from, from Grimsby. Grimsby didn't want to lose Hurst. Rejected, you know? They might have not just picked up the phone for five mm. days. Yeah, Grimsby... Grimsby did but not want to lose that. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because like I look at it just as a fan at the end of the day. You know, I can we can sit back here and try and have some analysis of it. But you were sitting there watching those four games, just getting progressively, progressively more wound up. And it wasn't just me that was obviously feeling like that because Ollie just mentioned it a second ago about the fans against Roland. You know, and that was the first time. And I know you sort of recently started following the club, Lewis, but we very rarely ever had any anti-Roland Witchley chance. In fact, I can't remember it in the New Meadow ever. Probably not even when we were even. And so that was a real interesting thing to, to actually happen, and it was it was quite defining for the season in some respects. Now, what's happened, I think, has kind of put everyone back on a level, but at one point there, we were starting to eat ourselves a little bit as a fan base and as a club, when we were starting to get a bit bit problematic, and, and, and you know, you were you were joining in, Mike, as well, at some point. No, sure. I, I wasn't, Roland, honestly. <laughs> um, no, it was, that's more frustration than to watch uh, a guy you know doesn't want to be there managing your club for four games, let's say, points slipping away. It's kind of natural, then you just move the next step up the ladder and, and target the chance yeah. for a bit of higher. But, you know, like I say, I think they got it right in the end. It was interesting. But then, obviously, Hurst arrived. And I, is it fair to say, is anyone going to disagree with me that it, Hurst wasn't, I think, a universal choice in the fan base? I never I, knew he was. I have a fantastic memory going back in <laughs> fairly soon after Mellon went in rule, doing a, a, an article ruling out Hurst. Because, oh, right. he, because he'd no, because he'd ruled himself out ah. on record to, yeah. to the Grimsby radio and I had a, a, a Twitter reply from Ollie saying poor who? Yeah. <laughs> you did, I didn't know this because you don't know because there's so many managers like yeah there's 90 91 no, there's like yeah there's what is there 60 70 managers in the in the two leagues three leagues around us oh, that's a lot of managers he worked himself up didn't he he was yeah, a yeah, conference yeah. manager for a long time yeah, it was, it was abs- what the, the Roderick fullback was, yeah. was yeah. a lot of people's reactions but at the same time I don't, I suspect he wasn't first choice so I think that probably, ex- probably yeah. explains some of the delay but he was a great choice oh. and actually impressive from day one mm. and what, yeah. what really what really impressed me is the plan that he's brought in that that game at Southend was oh, so dull 
But <laughs> he's, he's come in and he's gone, this team is terrible defensively. Yep. So what we're going to do, it, it was almost a slightly more sophisticated version of what I described through Danny Coyne, in that he said, right, get a bit with him, we'll leave three up front, they'll try and, and create something, but we, we will be hard to beat. Yeah. And gradually, as players have added, he's added a bit of expansion. Mm-hmm. And it's where Mickey Mellon was scattergun in yeah. his approach to, to sort of a, a different plan for every week. There has been one consistent plan throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't go right, it takes a man with courage and his convictions to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. has done. Yeah, because he's had some little blips, didn't he? I mean, Ollie, one of the things we talked about as soon as Hurst came in, and he was, first of all, his interviews and, and how well he came across in those, and obviously you two have got more experience on that side of things, but it was the fact that he said, I'm a 4-4-2 man, and we're going to play 4-4-2, and it was a bit of music to fans' ears, that, similar to what Mark just been saying, in that the, the simplicity of that meant, meant it was a little bit easier to watch us going forward. It wasn't always going to work, but you were particularly happy to see that, weren't you? Yeah, I think it was good to have, a, as you say, a man with a plan, and also, he just I've never met him, and he's quite small, especially when you see him on like BT Sport. It's really funny because he is tiny. But, you, but he's the kind of man you don't think you'd mess with. So as a fan, if you think you've had a, fir- a really poor first half, not that you know modern day players and stuff are you know it's not back in the old hair dyer days and all that kind of stuff. But you think he's going to react to something. He's not going to take any messing. And yeah, it felt felt it felt it felt like he was being honest. He was mm. an honest Yorkshireman, and I think that I don't know. Like Lewis, what your impression was when you first met him, but he felt like he was honest. He had a plan. And he was gonna. They were gonna work hard, and he kept mentioning all the time: work hard, work hard, work hard. And that was the difference. I remember going away to, um, going away to um, to Rochdale, and they're not a great team, but the, we've said this consistently in the pod. The teams that are successful in League One this year have worked hard and been organised. Yeah. And look at like you know, and look at teams like Fleetwood and Rochdale, and they've had great seasons. Mm-hmm. And those two things. I don't know, Lewis. What, what was your first impression of him? The word I would use for Paul Hurst is meticulous. No, wow. Okay. Um, in every word he says, in every interview, in yeah, every... Yeah, we spotted that as well. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say anything he doesn't want to say, yeah. and everything he does say he's is planned. He's very intelligent. Yeah, and um, with his research, I'm sure, with the amount of games he watches, which we know, um, you know, I'm sure all managers watch video and, yeah. and stuff like that, but meticulous to, to the T, really, um, really impressed. He's a the modern first... manager, then, because, you know, you, you, if you hear about, like, Okay, not in this level but Pochettino and people like that and Mourinho you hear about all these documents they do and then you hear about some of the other managers like Moyes people like that who don't do any prep mm. would you put him which, where would you put him on that kind of scale yeah I think um, I think so I mean I'm not sure about how much paperwork he has but um, yeah I would I, I would put him really as a manager I think there are a lot of League 1 and League 2 managers that don't perhaps work as hard behind the scenes you know I'm not digging any managers at him in particular, but I think Paul Hurst, mm. I would say, from my experience, goes above and beyond and far beyond. My impression is, as a manager, he's acclimatising to the amount of staff, the amount yeah. of infrastructure yeah. that is now around him. This is a guy who, yes, has played a lot of football league games, mm. but as a manager, he's come from non-league. When he came in and said 4-4-2, coming from non-league, I thought, oh, this is going to be a throwback. <laughs> yeah. But actually, it has been more sophisticated. Yeah. Having said that, um, I, I do think he's... He's slowly working out delegation and, and different roles and, and things like that and using the structure at his disposal because as much as it is a small club, even by League One standards, yeah. it's a big old organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and we've, we've found out recently since the summer started and, and talking to Brian Caldwell, he, he still loves doing everything himself to an extent, like he's still managing in the, the Evo Stick Northern Premier Division. He, he, he <laughs> yeah. still wants... All the roles, he's happy to do everything and work so hard to do everything. You know, Adam Henshaw's head of recruitment. But 
you know, we, we've heard from Brian that Paul loves to do all the negotiating, yeah, right. meet all that's the agents, um, which is, you know, it's just interesting because that's probably how he did it at Grimsby. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's got to, to learn to shed some of the workload, but yeah. maybe that's just how he wants to do it. You can tell he's adjusting as a manager anyway, because when he came in, he was very much, I'm going to sit in the stand for the first half, and then the last few yeah. games, he's not in there anymore. So he's obviously looking at the way he operates and changing different things about himself. So it's good to get a manager that's on his way up, is young, is learning, is, is flexible, is changing his ways. And it might be one of the only managers if all things go well, who actually goes into better things rather than getting booted out the back door when it goes wrong. I think and, and it's great to get that insight actually, lads, because you know a lot of fans don't we, we don't normally get that sort mm-hmm. of insight into what, what he's like as a man and the and the work he puts in. I think everyone acknowledges that he's an incredibly hard worker. So yeah, that was great to know. But I mean as a fan like, you know, the, it was the home form really for, for most fans that was the most impressive thing that he turned around with oh, yeah. because a lot of us don't go to away games in general shooting town fans. It's it, you know probably got a four or five hundred hardcore away and Five, three, you have three, four, five at home. So not all everyone goes to away games. So turning that home form around was key for him getting the fans that weren't convinced mm. straight away outside. And obviously he had a couple of good results at the start. And that was where things started to turn, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The home form. I mean, I, I just could not be bothered to go to the football anymore. But <laughs> at the time we got sort of rid of Mellon and, and Coin came, and I just thought I've got better things to do on my Saturdays. And, <laughs> and it was it was touch and go whether I bother and you and seem to give it. Carried on like that, and we went down. I thought I can't be bothered. And Hurst came in, and you started looking forward to going to football again. You started getting excited on a Saturday afternoon, you think, yeah, this is something I want to go and do with my time. And it, it's all down to the fact that you've got footballers playing, like he brought some quality in, he got them looking fitter, he got them looking more interested. And if your team you're watching looks more interested, you will be more interested in watching them. So yeah, it just, it, it does a good thing for galvanising the, the supporters to get behind them again. Yeah, and I think the thing that we kind of forget now looking back is that he obviously came in in mid-November, didn't he? And he had that period through to January before he could get any players in. So he actually kind of got the form going in the right direction using those players mm-hmm. that had really underperformed. And that, again, was a really impressive thing for him to do. So mm-hmm. well, that period where we sort, of just, we sort of just held on with our fingertips, really, didn't we, under Hurst to January mm-hmm. until he could really start to turn it around. And it, that was the man management, the motivation, and, and you say the fitness, that was the key thing, wasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, so we had nine games before January. And, um, yeah, we started, obviously, it was important to get that um, a, um, a point away. I think the, the home win against Oxford was yeah, key. key yeah. And that thought of, that just kind of gave you some, some okay. confidence. And we just played fantastic that day. Everyone was working hard. Everyone was doing their jobs. It was a really, really important win. And we had a couple of a couple of losses, a couple of a, a draw, and a couple of wins. Millwall away was yeah, massive. Fantastic. Absolutely massive win. Especially, I don't know if you saw that guy who does that lion um, yes. video thing. That was hilarious. He was so, who are Shrewsbury? Yeah, fantastic. Um, and then obviously, um, um, yeah, getting the uh, the win um, against Bristol Rovers. And then obviously, I think, I, don't, I know you went to this game, Glyn. Um, yeah. Bolton Wanderers away was kind yeah. of a sign. Yeah. Well, we knew we needed new players, didn't we? And Merrick Hurst was working with a poor squad, as we've discussed. Yeah. So he did well in that period, but um, not yeah. as well as he did after the January. Even in that Bolton game, you, you guys were probably there, and you remember it is that you know we were a bit unlucky. We stonewall penalty. We should have in the last minute, and, and we back. We, we it was it was a bit of a consistent theme in that little period where we played, and probably towards the end of the season, one, we seemed to have our best period in the last sort of twenty five minutes yeah. of games, and that was another one where it was exactly like the Bolton game, and I can remember a few like that. So even then, we were a bit unlucky, and we got them, got them going in the last 25 minutes. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think he got us 11 points from the 27 through to its 2 January transfer window. And then, new players. So obviously, we brought in Toto, um, Rodman and Morris. They all came in on a contract. And then the loans, obviously, got a lot of strikers in, didn't we? Yeah, Lapado, <laughs> um, Roberts and Payne, uh, Humphreys as well, and then Yates as well. So what, what were your thoughts on the players that they brought in? I suppose to start with you, Lewis. You know, for me... He addressed the goal scoring problem, but also did do a few other things. I think as well in terms of freshening things up. He didn't waste any time, did he? I think Toto was announced certainly on January the first. Yeah. Um, I remember being stuck in the middle of a 
UK's biggest shopping centre <laughs> in London on holiday trying to relax you know a bit of New Year's in London and then I get an email saying sign oh great fantastic it was a Sunday as well um, and and that was interesting wasn't it Toto because you know I, I didn't read Blue and Amber but Twitter and, and stuff like that fans were like who you yeah, know yeah. And, and Hartlepool fans were saying thank God you know he's going you know all that typical stuff and, and look at it now I mean he's solid you know, w- would we have stayed up without Toto? No. No. Six football. The first thing is he had pace and he was six foot four. Yeah. <laughs> he was big. As long as he liked heading a ball, yeah. fantastic. So just, yeah, I'm, I'm not a bit really blue and amber. Everyone's blue and amber. So you know, he's always from there. Too, <laughs> too, <much laughs> too much abuse. Too much abuse. What about you? Who's back for you, Mark, of all the new players? They were all gambles, weren't they? I think that's. And I go back to this: the transfer windows. January. Isn't every transfer, every sign, a bit yeah. of a gamble? It is. It is. But in January, in particular, yeah. loans. And who's yeah. what's a sign for lower league? Shrewsbury in the middle of nowhere. Bottom of the league. Bottom of the league. Gambles, but you know the the permanent ones. Toto Rodman, he knew them. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. knew them. And, and that my next point was he he went back to what he knew, didn't he? Yeah. And um, there were players obviously stepping up levels. The strikers were interesting. I thought another one, another one, <laughs> yeah. another one. And um, I think he, he probably, said himself, didn't he? He probably, probably had one too many in yeah. the end. But Humphrey was like the last day in the transfer window, wasn't he? It was like, oh, just give it. Give I, think Payne, yeah, Payne, I think if Payne and Humphrey had come earlier, he probably yeah. wouldn't have got. Yeah. I think yeah. that's. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, he got a bit of luck with Roberts, who yeah, very. Well. You forget how young he is. Yeah. And he didn't play Oxford. I've got a good friend of mine who's an yeah. Oxford season ticket holder. And he was like, never really saw him. Like he saw, he looked like he was all right. But yeah, yeah, him and him and Lovato just yeah, just made just started so well. Didn't mm. And that was it. That was an interesting one because Ladapo came in, scored some goals, and then disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just, and then Payne almost took over. So I, I guess proof being in the pudding, he, he had a, the right blend. But mm. he went in and, and went quite big on numbers in terms of who he wanted to bring in. He he got the personnel for his system because he wants to play 4-4-2 yeah. um, and it, it came off yeah and, and it was a bit of a meet and you say it was immediate impact after January we went six games unbeaten four level yeah. wins and at that stage of the season a lot of the other teams were struggling you know, I think we've talked about the fact that Vale were like 7th and Berry were 10th when they were to go and by this point they were in free form we were really you know, getting four wins in, in, out of six was the sort of thing that just flew us back up to sort of yeah. catching them and it wasn't too long until we were at the relegation zone then. it was a few weeks later I think but um, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that was a good period, wasn't it? Just make a yeah. comment on the points. So going up to that game, I'd say where we kind of where we all kind of started was at that Bradford um, home win. Mm-hmm. We started there around twenty five points, and then I'd say like the run of games went up to kind of like the Coventry draw. But we went from twenty two, we went from twenty two points drawing at Swindon up to forty one points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in ten games, we got twenty points, which was you know really nearly like not great maths, but you've got fifty one points all year. Hmm. That was nearly fifty percent of all our points yeah. in that short period. So yeah, that short period in the boost in the January trends window saved us, didn't it? it did, well, yeah. we that that six game unbeaten run from the Swindon draw, which was second game of January, to, to the amazing day at Scunthorpe. Yeah, I um, we were top of the form table. Yep, yeah, remember that. Yeah. Um, and I think I can't remember exactly, but we were either seven or nine points clear of the drop. Yeah, yeah. And I think we all 
thought we were pretty much yeah, there. I don't know in the playoffs. Honestly. Someone <laughs> did take me about the playoffs. I did. I did the. It's, like it's the first points, time. It? It it's the first time we did the start time. I looked at the the points. So yeah, I did an average. If we didn't, we'd, if we carried on that form where we were up to that season, including Mel- like including Melon time, yeah, we would have been near the playoffs. But mm. we all kind of thought that we were safe then. But the annoying thing is, is that Barry and and other teams just started winning yeah. games as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It, it got a bit. It got a bit. It's sticky. I mean, we just covered this in the agenda. I think we moved on because obviously that, that good run was was absolutely excellent. I think we covered it. They, they, they got in play. And it wasn't just, I suppose, we probably just worth talking about not the new players as well, but probably a word for Max Sadler. And then if you want yeah. to cover that, I'd say the, the January signings obviously had a good, a good impact on the squad as a whole because we started getting a tune out of some guys that had been mm-hmm. bang average for the start of the season. You know, Junior Brown had started the season well. I can remember thinking Joe Riley was a, a real waste of a signing and he turned out to be an excellent player. Mm. Sadler, when he got in with Toto, has been a revelation. Sadler started the season awfully, he gave away about three penalties, didn't he? Or something like yeah, well, um, and that season, and the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, and it was just getting a game out of those guys that had sort of been phoning it in a bit. Um, it all adds to a much more cohesive squad and mm. a better performance. So, mm-hmm. it, it was all part of. Hurst coming in, new brew, new ideas, and, and some new blood. A go go as well as your yeah. Oh, yeah. Couldn't even, even get in the team. When he did get in the team, we know he'll run all day. Yeah. He didn't know where he was running. Yeah. It just absolute headless chicken, too. He's and the more an thing. immense set of games before yeah. he got injured. Yeah. And, and other things, you know, I think in that period, Sean Worley got back yeah, to yeah. fitness. Got back to fitness. He missed a lot of Hurst early. Hurst um, obviously I've got faith in him and I think it gives him a lot of confidence he yeah. talks about in, in interviews and, and plays him a lot so. he likes an arm around him I'd yeah. imagine I sure. think that's one of the things about Hurst you were saying about Aston. I think he also probably knows how to manage because he says this in his interviews he says how um, you know he, he had to take a different approach to different players mm. and yeah you know, if you take Sadler Brown Agogo and Worley those four all had a, a huge improvement in their performances yeah. based on Hurst's man management best thing he did with Sadler Made him a senior player, yeah. and all of a sudden you could see Sadler chest came on. Yeah, yeah. and he started playing like yeah. it. But going back to Melon, what were they doing? Like seriously, <laughs> what <laughs> were they doing? What were they doing in training? What was him and Jackson discussing? It's like, how can you have someone like Sadler who's played? You know, okay, we know that when he was a kid, he was seen as like future international, but you know, he's clearly an articulate guy. He's clearly got a little bit of experience. And clearly cares for the club. Yeah, he cares for the club as well. Yeah, well. So care. what was going on in training that then meant that people like him then came to the fore? It's really interesting, isn't it, that Sadler, um, Brown and, and Worley really came to the fore. What was going on in, in, the, in training and stuff before? It's very yeah, odd. I, we'll never I, know. But I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but there was, n- you know, there was nothing where the players did stuff together, you know, went out for meals, where it you bond. The, it's fair to say that. Um, no. It was very the opposite of that. Look at the Christmas party, lads. Yeah. <laughs> from the stands, looking at the pitch, the, the, the sort of you know, the leaders that were on there, players like Ian Black, who was a vocal person on the pitch, Adam Elab, who was a vocal person on the pitch, they seemed to be negative vocal voices and they seemed to be quick to criticise their fellow players, whereas now you've got Sadler and a go-go, and they're very much genial players up and, yeah. and, and are giving a positive yeah. message. And it, it seems to happen. You've got those, you've got those Ian Blacks and, and, and um, who did you mention there? Uh, Alat. Yeah. You can't be that vocal leader that's going to drive a team on if you're playing as badly as they were yeah. playing. Yeah. You know, you've got to be, not only have you got to be vocal about it, you've got to be that example yeah, to yeah. say this is how well we've got to be playing and neither of those two particularly. It didn't look to me like they had confidence, which is not, you know, you, you can't have a, a captain on yeah. the pitch who... We had an experience didn't we, where he came and sat, stood next to us at Berry. So, yeah, so the two, so the tall standing, <laughs> me and sitting, me and Glenn sitting on our own because Glenn had his son with him, so we yeah. didn't want to go with all the all the shouty sweary lads. <laughs> and he comes to sit next to the two lads that are doing a podcast, yeah. which is quite funny. It was quite interesting, and he did have every ball, and he seemed like he cared. Yeah, he wanted he to. It was just 
expected back in the penalty as far as I was concerned. <laughs> there we go. So I think that, that, that obviously took us to the point where we were out of the relegation zone yeah. and everyone was happy. So, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll move on a little bit to where it went a bit awry. And that is where we'll leave part one of the end of season review. Um, yeah, quite a lot of laughs to be had and, and uh, yeah, some excellent points raised by all the guests that we had as well. So um, it was an absolutely excellent morning uh, just talking she's returned with some knowledgeable people in the press side of things and also a bunch of fans as well. So, yeah, we leave it just as uh, we're all starting to think she's returned is safe and then obviously the next thing we start to look at is the blip where we couldn't beat any of the worst teams in the league and then finally saving ourselves um, before we move on to um, questions from the fans and also asking players uh, asking everybody who their favourite player of the season was and best games and all that sort of thing so yeah I think this is probably going to be about 40 minutes and the second part will be roughly the same as well so yeah hope everyone enjoyed that first uh, look into the season and um, we'll try and bring the second part as soon as possible and uh, yeah stay tuned to us on Twitter and um if you subscribe to us on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, then uh, it should just pop up when the second part's around. And we shall see you soon. Thank you for listening. Oh!